Welcome back to the Bulls Beat Bulls fans. Doug Tonus here with you discussing our Chicago Bulls. And I think this podcast is going to be a little bit short and sweet. It's been a while since I've gotten one out there. And I promise on Twitter I try to do a solo show. Uh, most of my thoughts about everything that's happened on the offseason have been said on other podcasts. If you follow me on Twitter and listen to any of those, you may have already heard them. Uh, but we're just going to try and wrap up the rest of the offseason. Maybe get a little bit into the James Harden thing just because it's out there and kind of quasi loosely connected to some Bulls fans wanting to trade DeMar DeRozan for him. So kind of talk about some of those things. Uh, so to wrap up uh, in, in really brief summary, I think around the margins, this team had a pretty good offseason, particularly bringing in Craig and Carter, discuss those guys. They're good fit with the team. As long as Craig's shooting holds up, he's only had one year as a good shooter, which I'm going to call the Vooch exception which is don't like overstate how good a guy is shooting because he had one good shooting year in his career. That's where Torrey Gregg is right now. But still, he's a good fit on paper, and he came for the minimum. Even if he can't shoot, you know, a good defensive four is probably still something we need. So I think Craig's a good fit regardless. Uh, Carter is a good fit regardless. It is a little weird that these two guys were on championship contenders and, you know, they were let go. You know, like their teams didn't think like, oh, man, we're really going to miss these guys. So that's a teeny bit of a red flag there. I think particularly with the Suns where Craig was not going to come back for the minimum, it seems like crazy given that they signed like 12 minimum guys. So they thought there's like, you know, 10 other, 10, 11 other minimum guys that are better than this guy uh, that are willing to come here. Uh, so that's, that's a little bit of a red flag to me, especially given how much he played in the playoffs and how well he played in the playoffs for them. I thought that was really weird. Now, maybe Craig just didn't want to stay there because, they wouldn't pay him more, and there was some other stuff going on. I, I don't really know, but that just seemed a little odd. The big news maybe since I lasted a solo show, but it's been out there now for a while, is Iodosumu signing for 321. This felt like an overpay to me. I mentioned on Twitter, maybe it is the case that there was another team bidding this amount of money, like the Brooklyn Nets or someone, and Io gave the Bulls unofficial matching rights to structure the deal in a more beneficial way for Chicago. Uh, I think if that was the case, it would have come out by now. My initial reaction was like, that has to be the case. There's no way we could just bid $21 million on this guy that, I mean, I, I think his fair market value was like a one-year, you know, four or $5 million deal, maybe, maybe a two-year with a player option on the second year or something like that if you wanted to be generous. I don't think there was anyone else bidding out there. And... We just went and we bid against ourselves again. You know, it's similar to what we did with Vooch, where if we had played hardball on Vooch, we would have lowered that deal. I think a teeny bit that's true on Kobe White, but a little bit less so. I think our front office doesn't really fall in love with the guys they didn't pick themselves. They only seem to fall in love with the guys that they pick. So uh, Kobe White being a Gar Pax guy, I mean, like it was like completely one of these things where last season – he really had to prove himself over an extended period of time to get burned. Even though Io was really flailing the whole season, they just wanted to play him instead. They did not want to give Kobe White a chance. That makes me feel like Acme is somewhat in Donovan's ear with coaching decisions with these things and saying they want this guy to play or they want that guy to play uh, because that just sort of matches my general thought. Maybe that's not true, but it just seems really weird otherwise that it took Kobe White so much um, outplaying of Io to really win back minutes. And, you know, he had a good end of the season and, you know, just didn't really play nearly as much as he should. There's some other weird guys, like Derek Jones Jr. was another guy I thought didn't play as much as he should. He's gone now. He signed for a minimum deal. I want to say it was with the Brooklyn Nets. I'm not 100% certain on that. We brought in Terry Taylor 
and and it's like Terry Taylor seems like a replacement for Derek Jones Jr., which is like really wild to me. He's 24. Derek Jones Jr. is 26. Taylor will be 24 in like a month. Um, I think that just seems like a bad idea. You know, Taylor is only on a one-year deal. It's not like there's like some big upside play one way or the other. You don't have him locked into a long-term thing like if he was a first-round pick. It's not like he's like 19 and has all this upside or anything. It just seems like this is a really just bad decision. Derek Jones Jr., extremely underrated. Bulls always played really well when he was on the floor, very versatile defender, could you know defend all of the – basically, I'd say almost could defend like one through five, really. Five as a stretch, but he did it in like big chunks – uh, you know, very solid in that regard. Shot enough from three and well enough from three that I think it was okay-ish. Um, not not definitely a shooter by any stretch, but really good at making basket cuts. You know, I just, I'm a little sad that Derek Jones Jr. is, is not going to be back. But at the same time, you know, Billy Donovan didn't want to play him. And so in a way, what difference does it make? Like if you're not going to utilize him, it doesn't really matter. But I would have really rather had Derek Jones Jr. than Terry Taylor and it's hard for me to figure out any reason why we couldn't. Another oddball thing about Terry Taylor, according to Spot Track right now, if I did the math right, the Bulls are like $1,000, literally $1,000 into the luxury tax, which means they won't get like a $15 million payout. There's no way that that's going to hold. Uh, the most likely thing, and uh, thanks to uh, Ed Schuler from Bulls Gold for pointing it out to me, uh, we can just wave Carlick Jones and get back under the tax and run with 14 again. So I'd say that's almost a certainty to happen. People will say you can figure out the tax later, but it's not that easy to figure out later. You can't just wave someone. You need to make a trade. You need to then give up something someone wants to get under later. And it doesn't seem like Carlick Jones is a valuable enough player that you're going to do that for. You're not going to be like, yeah, I'm going to put myself in a position where I have to dump a player with a second round pick later just so I can have Carlick Jones on the roster for half a year and then figure out what I'm going to do later. It just seems like you're just going to wave him up front. It's really hard to see any other scenario for me. The other thing is that maybe spot track is just off by a thousand dollars somewhere. And then really the bulls aren't over. And of course, the other thing is that my math is just wrong. I don't think so, but it's possible that my math is just wrong and the bulls aren't really under either way. They're right up against the tax. They're not going to add anyone else. They're not going to use the disabled player exception. Why'd they even apply for it? Who knows? Um, it, I think it's just even more frustrating for fans that they applied for it and won't use it. I guess it's there as a stopgap maybe later. If you do a bunch of blow-up trades and a bunch of other stuff happens and you set, shed some sour, you can use it to take something back later. Maybe it does give you a little bit of flexibility, better to have than not to have, but uh, it doesn't seem like that's something we're going to use at all. So uh, we'll see how that goes. And so looking at this roster, I think you feel pretty good about the Bulls' like top 10 rotation spots. You know, so I'm going to try and, and, and rattle them off. Of course, you've got the big three. Uh, then you've got Caruso and Pat Williams I, and Javon Carter. Five of those six guys should be in the starting lineup. I'm not sure if Carter will start or Caruso will start at point guard or whether you start both and have Pat come off the bench and Caruso starts at power forward. Uh, but you got those, those uh, six guys. I think five of those six will be your starters. Then you've got Torrey Craig and you've got Kobe White and Andre Drummond uh, coming off the bench. Uh, yeah, I think those are all really solid players uh, relative to what you have. And then uh, you've got Io DeSumo, who feels like a pretty pretty solid player. And so, like, those guys, that's a pretty good mix. I, I kind of wish we had one more quality big man in that mix. But, you know, Torrey Craig maybe, you know, is, is, is probably a legit-ish power forward. Pat Williams, legit power forward. Drummond and Vooch, you know, definitely legit center. So you kind of got four legit-ish bigs there, especially the way the modern NBA plays. So I think that's good. I feel really 
pretty solid about those guys. But then you go into the bottom five, and you got Julian Phillips, 19-year-old second-round pick, probably not going to be ready to contribute. Dalen Terry, who just looked completely hopeless in summer league, uh, not someone you think is going to contribute. Carly Jones, I think, probably won't be on the roster you know, when the whole thing is said and done. But if he is, doesn't seem like someone who's going to contribute in a big way. Uh, Terry Taylor, I don't think I would count on him to contribute in a big way. And then that leaves uh, God, one more guy who I'm forgetting about at the moment, and I guess uh, we'll see if it comes to me later. But uh, either way, my point is I think out of our top 10, we're in really good shape. But as soon as we get past that a little bit, it does start to get a little dicey. And I think that's going to be maybe a general concern you know, for the Bulls uh, going forward is how they manage if they have any injuries or whatever. And I think you can play a nine-man rotation and I think that's okay. It's not like such a big deal to play a nine-man rotation. Uh, but uh, it is just one of those things where you don't have a lot of leeway to, to do other things. So uh, anyway, uh, then the latest thing, maybe I don't even know if it's a thing per se. It's a thing only because of Bulls Nation and how we, we talk to each other. <laughs> but it is one of those deals where... Uh, James Harden, he called old Daryl Morey a liar. So he's not going to come back to the 76ers basically under any circumstances whatsoever. He's not going to show up to camp, blah, 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 blah. And then Daryl Morey said, I'm not surprised he called me a liar because I'm not surprised he, you know, made it personal, you know, whatever. I That situation is brewing. And then people, people then start saying, how can we get into the hardened sweepstakes? One, my first thought was, why would you want to be in the hardened sweepstakes? Like, it's really hard for me to see where you'd want James Harden. You know, clearly he's lost a step. In that video where he calls Daryl Morey a liar, he looks like he's like 30 pounds overweight. He's a selfish player. He's demanded a trade on his last three teams. Like, just doesn't seem like a guy you would want. He makes $36 million. You can't even trade DeMar DeRozan for him straight up. The salaries don't quite match. But you can't even throw in, like, a small player to make it match because it would put you over the hard cap. So you have to then throw in someone like Pat Williams or uh, Alex Caruso. Uh, I've thrown out the idea, maybe if you did Lonzo Ball plus DeMar DeRozan for James Harden. And I actually said Lonzo Ball plus Vooch. <laughs> I would do. But you could maybe say Lonzo Ball plus DeMar DeRozan for Harden plus something. Um, and, and then maybe that works and to balance out the salary. And you get rid of Lonzo's contract as part of that. And then if you figure like you're one of these people who doesn't want to bring DeMar back later, and you figure you're not a team, or you're not going to get much for DeMar at the trade deadline anyway, then maybe you do this and you can flip Harden for like an expiring deal or something in a first round pick. I don't know. I, it just, it doesn't feel like there's any real meaningful thing here. Certainly it doesn't feel like, why would you want James Harden instead of DeMar DeRozan on this team? I mean, they're, they're kind of like comparable players in terms of like offense only high volume, efficient scoring guys I guess you could make the case that James Harden is probably a little bit better playmaker, but he had, uh, you know, Embiid to get a lot of assists off, uh, easy assists from. 
Maybe Harden's a better playmaker, but it's such a worse personality to bring in your court. And it's not like you're going to go anywhere with him. You're going you're gonna to just get rid of him in a year anyway. I just, it just would be such a terrible thing to have to deal with those vibes for a season just to, like, blow it up. Like, and, and you know, if you followed me for a while, I'm a team blow up this roster. Anyway, like, we're not going anywhere. It just doesn't seem to be that Harden is any kind of meaningful fit for this franchise. Uh, it feels likely to me, to the extent anyone cares, that probably Harden is not just making stuff up. Daryl Morey probably did make some under-the-table promises on his next contract. There's been questions about whether the NBA should investigate or not. They already investigated his contract last year when he took less money and they, they signed, um, God, what's his name? P.J. Tucker. And, you know, they, they cleared that then. They did find the 76ers a couple second-round picks for talking with Tucker early. But, you know, they, they cleared this contract then anyway. Like, I find it hard to believe any new evidence is going to come up unless Harden just says, yeah, they promised me this. But then Harden's just as culpable for making an under-the-table deal, uh, under deal. And Philly did not earn anything. So whatever they said, that Philly can just come back and say, like, yeah, okay, we, we talked about, like, hey, look, sign with us, and, you know, we'll do right by you later or some other odd thing. But, you know, like, they, they didn't actually follow through on anything. So they, they didn't keep their word. <laughs> so I, I just don't know where the NBA would go in any type of investigation. But I think that's probably why Harden is pissed. Uh, it seems overwhelmingly likely that, you know, Daryl Morey did just basically strongly insinuate or directly state that, yeah, we're going to do this for you later. And they probably didn't get down to actual numbers or whatever else. And in that unofficial conversation, they probably did enough in that conversation to make it legal. And, you know, Harden had a lot of trust with Morey in the past and probably figured, all right, this guy is just going to stand by what he said. And Morey didn't. And now he's pissed and he's, he's out. And that may be in itself, like I could say, is understandable. But the, the larger problem for Harden is it's like, well, you just did the same thing in Houston and you just did the same thing in Brooklyn before. So this is going to be a really fun train wreck to watch. Uh, Harden will show up. He, he said he's never not going to show up, but he will show up because if he doesn't show up, his basketball career is over. He basically won't be a free agent next year. So he is going to show up in the end. But the thing is, you've already seen what James Harden can do showing up and not giving a shit. Like, balls were bouncing off his head in, in Houston because he was not paying attention on the court. So we would pass him the ball while wide open under the basket and just let it go. You can absolutely show up and be bad enough and tank enough that the team just is like, screw it, we have to send you away. It's worse that you're here. And James Harden has already shown a tremendous willingness uh, to just be as bratty as possible, to, to stay within the lines, though, where they can't just get rid of him. And they can try to fine him, but he'll appeal the fines and, like, whatever else, and they can't really suspend him because he can just, he can just be passive-aggressive enough where it's like there's just not enough evidence to do anything to him. And, you know, like, that'll be it. So I think in the end what's going to happen is they're going to agree that Harden can stay away after he comes up and James Harden's himself around for a while. And then eventually they'll try to work some kind of trade. Philly looking for like huge assets for this just seems ridiculous. I can't imagine anyone giving up huge assets for James Harden. I can't even really imagine giving up minor assets for James Harden in most scenarios. So we'll see. We'll see how that shakes out. Not super related to the Bulls because I don't think James Harden would want to come here. I sure don't think you'd want a James Harden that doesn't want to be here. And it doesn't really make sense for us. It would be really hard to, to make a trade work that anyone would consider. So... 
It's not a bull's thing, I guess. That was a lot of words to describe. This really just isn't a bull's thing, but it's maybe the most interesting thing. You know, kind of funny if we go back. I've not talked about it, but similar to the Dame Lillard situation, like Dame, you know, demanded out. His agent went and told everyone, like, if you trade for this guy, you're going to get an unhappy player. The league then talked to Dame and the agent about it, saying, like, look, you can't make these types of threats. We're going to fine you, blah, blah, blah. Like, like, I don't know. The agent didn't say Dame's not going to show up at camp. They didn't say Dame's not going to try hard. They didn't say Dame's not going to do his best. Is Damian Lillard not allowed to say my preferred destination is Miami? Is he not allowed to say, like, I'm not going to be happy if you trade for me? He's not, not saying he won't do his job. He's not even said he won't report to Portland. He's not said he won't do his job with the Portland Trailblazers. He's asked to be traded, and he's given a preferred destination, and he said he'll be unhappy if a different thing happens. I think all of that is true, and there's an implication there of like, well, if he's unhappy, he's not going to try hard or whatever. And, and I think that runs into like a really interesting point for the NBA. Like, can you start finding people based on implication? Like, and then now how subtle does the implication have to be? You know, it's if it just says like, maybe, uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to uh, go to Chicago. And so he just says, well, I don't like Lou Melnati's pizza much. Is that now like uh, too subtle of saying like, I don't want to get traded to the Chicago Bulls? Like, I, like, I don't know, like at some point, like, you know, I think it's guys are going to say what they want to do or not want to do. And I, I don't know that that's so crazy. Now, if he refuses to play for a team or refuses to report to a team or you know, whatever, I think that's, that's a different matter. But in this case, like, I just, I just don't know that it's so wrong to be able to say like, yeah, if you trade for me, I'm not going to be real happy about it. Like, I don't, I don't want to play for you, you know, especially to other teams in the league. You know, it's one thing to say, uh, yeah, I just, I just don't know. I think that's just a fascinating thing of like, at what point are you saying a guy is not allowed to make private comments to someone you know, about his level of happiness in a situation, not about what he's going to do, just his level of happiness. And I, I think the NBA is on a little bit of sketchy ground there, but I totally get it because it's like, you know, you, you, you then make assumptions and insinuations about what that means and then say, well, now you're actually violating your contract if you backed up that statement by what we think that statement means. But, you know, like I, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. And you know, I think if Dame got traded somewhere, he would definitely report. And they would definitely play because he, he really would have very little other choice. Like he's under contract for a long period of time. And so he can try and discourage someone. But in the end, he's either going to have to play or retire. And so he, he's going to show up. And the same is kind of true with Portland. I also don't feel any sympathy for Portland because they got them into the, themselves into this mess. Like they knew they couldn't compete around Damian Lillard. I've been saying that they should have dumped him for a while. And now they've gotten to this point where it's like, yeah, no one is giving up that much for Damian Lillard because he's not honestly on a good deal. Like the real problem here is Damian Lillard is not on a good deal. Uh, you're massively paying him when he's going to be like 35, 36, 37. I forget the last ages because I didn't plan to talk about this. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's how unprofessional I am. Uh, but I forget how old he is, but he's going to be really old and making $120 million on the couple uh, end of that deal the last two years, six, plus $60 million each. And he's just not worth it. And, and so that's really the problem is you want a King's ransom for a guy who's, who's really phenomenal on the court, but he's not worth his contract. Or what he, people will not project him to be worth his contract is how I should state it. Uh, Damian Lillard's worth it today, and he's probably worth it next year. And so if your team trying to win right away, but those teams don't have a ton of assets left. Like so many of the teams trying to win right away have already kind of gone all in, and there's just not a lot in the – the tank left for these teams to make the moves 
you know, they want to make. One of the odd things about all of the stuff in the NBA is all of the protections teams put on picks so they don't get entirely hosed has also massively reduced their ability to make trades because now due to the Stapian rule, you can't actually trade any picks now because you have to assume the pick could last up until the end of the protection. Uh, so it's, it's really kind of like an interesting situation there. But I, in the end, it, it, Lillard and Harden are both in these weird spots where it's like, yeah, now what are you going to do? And Bradley Beal got traded basically for nothing, a bunch of second rounders to the Phoenix Suns. And if I'm holding James Harden or Damian Lillard, like, okay, Lillard's probably worth a little more than Beal. Uh, you know, given Beal's also in a similar boat of like, you probably don't like the end of his contract either. And, you know, James Harden's an expiring. In some ways, that's like the best deal because it's like if you just need a guy for a year, like Harden could fill in for a year. And you don't have to worry about having bad salary like later on down the line or luxury tax later. Like in some ways, if you're a team trying to win right now, James Harden is the most appealing um, of those guys for that reason. You know, but but it's it's going to be tough for these these teams now to trade these stars. I think the thing is, really, just teams ran out of assets. The teams that have assets don't want to trade for these types of win now players that have potential bad years on the back end of their contracts. And the teams that are trying to win now just they've already gone all in and used all of their assets. Uh, it's the same problem the Bulls are going to face now if they try to trade Zach Levine. Like, there's just not going to be a huge market because there's not many teams left that have the type of package that you could trade for him, and it's why he's still going to be on the roster. Uh, it's, it's pretty much why I said you should have traded Vooch and DeMar. You know, last summer, I said trade both of these guys for the Lakers' two unprotected first-round picks in 27 and 29. People told me I was crazy, and I said, you're not going to get more later. You're going to get less later. Well, we're going to get nothing for either of these guys. We're going to use them until they walk, and we're going to, you know, we'll, we'll get the results of whatever we do on the floor. And what that was last year was missing the playoffs, and what it was the year before was one playoff win. What it is this year probably projects to, my best guess right now, would be a first-round exit. I think the Bulls will make it to the playoffs this year, uh, barely as a 7 or 8 seed, probably a play-in team, but I think they'll get out of the play-in because they'll be in the only have to win one game area of the play-in. And, you know, I think they'll just lose in the first round to whoever one of the top two seeds are. That, that, I mean, that's what I think the Bulls are going to do. And so, you know, look at that. Like, all right, two first-round exits that are non-competitive series and a playoff miss is what you're going to get. Like, yeah, I just you were better off taking the package. And now there's not going to be a package left to get. And that's just kind of the state of the affairs. I think the, the super trade, I don't want to say it's dead, like it'll never happen again. I think those super trades will happen again. But you're going to need like a new group of teams to come up with a bunch of assets to be able to make them. Like at some point, Oklahoma City Thunder, they should make a super trade, right? They got like 15 extra first round picks. Same with the Spurs. You know, the Spurs have all these extra first round picks. They've got Victor Wembenyama. You know, say Victor Wembenyama is a superstar. You're three years from now and you have a bunch of extra picks. Of course, you'd trade three or four of them to bring in like another star player, you know, and, and compliment Victor Wembenyama with that guy. So, you know, there's going to be opportunities for those types of trades again, but they aren't going to be until there's like kind of a new grouping of teams that have assets ready to utilize that are trying to win. You know, maybe Memphis could be the exception to that. I think they still have all of their picks, if I'm not mistaken, and they've got Ja Morant to build around, assuming the whole Morant situation levels out and, and he gets kind of a, his, his head on straight and, and gets out of whatever this like weird side stuff that's going on with him. 
uh, you know, if that happens and they're, they're playing at a, at a high level again, you know, that's a team that definitely has some, some wiggle room to, to make a big trade to. Anyway, uh, that will do it for this edition of the Bulls Beat. Pending anything like major going on, uh, might be another month or so before I throw in another podcast, you know, wait, wait for some type of news, at least get training camp open, you know, something good going on, and then we'll see uh, where we go from there.